This episode is brought to you by Midwest Mujeres. Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20 Minute Collaborations. Welcome back to 20 Minute Collaborations. It is a hot one here in Madison. I uh, just got through this weekend that really... <laughs> I had a, an amazing time assisting the Midwest Mujeres here in Madison on Friday night. And we had a brilliant turnout where eight women told these grand, beautiful vulnerable stories about their journey to becoming business owners, to becoming more acquainted with money. It was gorgeous. And then on Saturday night, I had to take a trip down memory lane when I went to my high school reunion, my 25th high school reunion. Some people I had not seen since the day we graduated. It was just really nice to see these human beings who share such a small yet impactful part of my story and I found a lot of love and welcoming and feelings of home that I haven't felt in a long time since my brother had passed away quite a few years ago. I don't spend much of my time around people who knew what it was like to grow up in the space that I grew up and that's moment on Saturday night really gave me some of that. So what I'm what am I saying? I'm saying I hope this week you get a moment to think about where you come from. And part of your history that really warms you. On Saturday, on my way up to the reunion, I stopped by my mom's house and chatted with my grandma. My grandmother, oh my grandmother, one day we will get Miss Jerry Potter on this podcast. Very soon, actually. Her and I talked about it. But the reason I bring my grandmother up is that my grandmother helped me with my bias journey very early on. My grandma uh, taught special ed in the Wisconsin Dell School District for a very long time. And she had excelled her studies very high and done a lot of consulting and other work around special education. And growing up in the space, I spent a lot of time after school in her schoolroom. I went to Special Olympics. I went to the Easter Seals camp. I did a lot of this work. And very early on, my biases got checked and got released on the capability of these individuals. This week, I got the opportunity to speak to Anna Gauker. Anna has pushed any boundary of what is possible. She has done more in her life than majority of humans will ever do. And for her life, every single day is a collaboration. Anna's graduated from the University of Madison, Wisconsin with her master's degree in rehabilitation counseling. She has spent majority of her career in development services with people with disabilities. She hosts a podcast, Lead the Way, 
She's released a book of essays called Don't Ask Permission to Fly in 2020, which is linked here in the episode description. And her big work right now is the nonprofit she founded called The Rage Fund. Here is my conversation with Anna Gallagher. Oh my gosh, listeners. Okay, so I have this really close mutual friend, uh, Liz, and she has a friend named Anna. And we have been talking about getting Anna on this podcast for a while. And today is the day. Anna, welcome to the 20-Minute Collaborations. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited you're here uh, for so many reasons. The Rage Fund and everything that you do and how like just the you are such a huge advocate and uh, pusher of the status quo. Beyond that, I'm just excited to talk to you. So welcome. Um, can you tell listeners a little bit about yourself? My name is Anna Gaucher, and I am originally from Illinois, and I grew up in a very small town in Illinois, and then I moved up to Madison, Wisconsin, a little over 10 years ago for grad school, and I got my master's in rehab counseling. It's very similar to social work, but it's geared more for assisting people with disabilities in their career and vocational aspirations. And when I learned about rehab counseling, I was really interested in the subject because I've lived with a disability my whole life. And I was born with spinal muscular atrophy. It's a genetic disease that causes muscle weakness throughout the body, and it's progressive throughout the lifetime. Um, So I've used a motorized wheelchair my whole life, and I've depended on caregivers my whole life. And it's really gotten me interested in disability advocacy as I've gotten into adulthood and worked in services for people with disabilities. And I think it was three years ago now, I founded the Rage Fund, which is a nonprofit organization that is working to address the caregiver crisis and other persistent issues that people with disabilities have faced for a long time. I'm laughing because you're so busy all the time. And it goes against people's biases, which is a beautiful thing, because I love when people's biases are put back in their face. And also, uh, every part of your life has been a collaboration, every single piece. So I can only, I can only imagine uh, what story you want to share today. And listeners, if new to the podcast, I invite every guest on to share a short story about a time that they collaborated with one or many people. It can be anything from baking a cake to professional. Chat about that and pull out lessons on how we can all be better collaborators. So Anna, would you like to tell your story? 
yeah, I think there's a lot of different stories that I could tell. And like you said, I mean, everything I do is a collaboration. And I feel like that's something I wrote about a lot in my book. Don't ask permission to fly. It's a lot about my life and lessons I've learned throughout my life in working with people who help me get through each day and help me manage my life. One story that I'll focus on is last summer, 2022, I was asked to speak at a national convention for young progressives. And this was, you know, further into the pandemic, if you want to say, I don't know. <laughs> Allegedly, the pandemic's over, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> 2022 was a little murky and more in the pandemic era. And I'd say from the beginning of the pandemic to now, I've been very cautious. I'm still very cautious about the things that I do and the places I go and when I'm out in public and when I'm more close to home um, because I am a vulnerable population and I think that uh, respiratory conditions in general impact me in a really big way. That's one of the side effects of SMA is your respiratory system is weaker and the muscles around the lungs are much weaker. So it's harder to clear things out. So generally I'm very cautious, but especially since COVID started, I've been very cautious. So it was a really big deal when I was asked to speak at this convention and it was in Philadelphia. So I'm in Wisconsin and I knew that I'd have to get to Philadelphia and it wasn't really going to be an option for my mom to assist in this venture. So I really had to kind of consider like, is this something that I should be pursuing right now? Like, is this really the time for me to make this big trip? Um, my mom has always been like a cheerleader and a very hands-on part of my life and steps in when I need additional caregiver support or if there's a need that uh, I need filled. Like she's oftentimes the person to step in and help make things happen. And that's really been much of the secret of my success actually <laughs> in life. Um, but this wasn't going to be an option this time. So I said yes to the speaking engagement much before I probably should have because I had no idea <laughs> how I was going to make this thing happen. Um, but I decided that it needed to happen, that it was in this moment for a reason, and I wanted to 
embrace the opportunity that I was asked to speak, and I knew that it would be uh, much more a really positive experience if I could be there in person, you know, because we thought about, like, should I just do it virtually? Should I just, like, give a quick virtual talk about the RAGE Fund and the caregiver crisis, which was the topic I was going to present to the convention? But I really felt like things are so different. It's such a better experience when you can talk to people in person, when people can see me in person, engage with me, it would be much more impactful for them and a better experience for me as well. If I could get to Philadelphia for this speaking engagement to be at the convention. So I found a grant to cover the cost or at least most of the cost. And I got some volunteers to go with me, including one of my regular nurses who's on my team right now, but also two distant cousins of mine. And one of my mom's friends met us in Philadelphia when we got there. So um, I flew out with my nurse and my two cousins, and then we met my mom's friend in Philadelphia. But, I mean, let me tell you, we hit one roadblock after another along the way, and the people I was able to recruit for the trip were the perfect group of people <laughs> to join me on this epic journey because they were ready for anything. They were enthusiastic and supportive and just unfazed by the different roadblocks. I don't know if you remember summer 2022, the airline system was pretty chaotic and mm -hmm. cancellations were in the news all the time. So I was really nervous about that. And we didn't experience anything quite like that. We did encounter our first huge obstacle when we boarded the plane to go from Milwaukee to Philadelphia. Uh, we got on the plane. I was sitting next to my nurse in the regular seat on the plane. And everyone had pretty much settled into the plane and found their seat and we were getting ready to take off when a member of the airline crew came up onto the plane and started talking to me and said, we can't fit your wheelchair on the plane. Oh um, my gosh. So even though I travel with a motorized wheelchair, Right now, the policy is for the wheelchair to go in the under compartment where the luggage goes. And they said my chair wasn't fitting in the 
luggage compartment. They said they, the engine was somehow blocking, it like was sticking into the luggage compartment, blocking the way for my wheelchair to get through. And they're like, we've tried everything. You need to book a flight on a bigger plane, but you cannot travel on this plane. It's too small. There's no room for your wheelchair. And I was like, what? <laughs> so we had to get off the plane. Oh, no. Um, it was, yeah, it was insane. And like everyone else on the airline is obviously confused and like, what's going on? And yeah, everyone just wanted to get to their destination. And so did we, but we were pretty shocked. Because I had already communicated to the airline in advance, like, all the dimensions of my wheelchair. And I thought I had everything mapped out and that they knew who I was and what I needed when I got there. And that there was going to be no surprises. But turns out life is full of surprises. So (laughs) there was nothing I could do. I thought that I had already resolved any potential hiccup like this, but it is what it is. So we got off the plane and got all of our luggage, and then they booked us on a different flight on a bigger plane going out of O'Hare Airport the next day. So I came back home. <laughs> All the way back to Madison? Yep. Um, We all slept at home, and then we tried it again the next morning. And we drove to O'Hare out of Chicago, and we did it all again. But this time, we made it. So I would be lying if I said that was the only issue or barrier we encountered. On our journey, uh, there were a series of events, and I'd say every part of the airline travel aspect of this trip was pretty treacherous, but we did it. We made it happen. I was in Philadelphia for probably less than 24 hours, but I did my talk, I gave my speech, and I felt like I conquered the trip. Like we did what we set out to do. Um, I don't know if I changed anyone's lives or changed their perspective or really helped them see disability and the caregiver shortage or caregiver crisis that we're seeing across the country. I don't know if I changed anyone's view, but I did what I set out to do, and I felt really good about that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, First of all, thank you for sharing the story. Uh And um, going back to not knowing if you, you know, if you change any minds, it's the hardest thing in, in our work is we never know, you know, like we as long as we show up authentically and genuinely and with the message that we have, we hope it does something. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and I think that that's like 
been a recurring theme and something that I feel really strongly about is like for people with disabilities, we have a lot that we need to share with society and share how our experiences are unique and different, but vitally important for society at large. And yet, for people with disabilities, we're often isolated and it's a real challenge to be out in the world, in the community where people are seeing us, engaging with us, understanding where we come from. So decisions and policies are made often without us in mind because people with disabilities are often living isolated in the shadows, out of sight, out of mind. And I think that's a situation that leads to bad policy and lack of understanding from the community at large. Right. It's it's anti-collaboration because the first rule of collaboration is bring people to the table who's, who is, represents the community you're serving. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, exactly. Your story, there's so there's so many themes in there about collaboration, but the thing that came up for me is trust and faith. Your trust and faith and just knowing that you had to do this and you had to do it in person. When an idea comes up for a collaboration um, and we trusted it, how do we keep that trust? How do you be sure of yourself that this is the right direction I want to go in and this is the mission? That's such a good question. And I think it's a good thing that we're doing this interview now rather than last year when I was more in it and trying to navigate this situation and figure it out because I was so unsure about is this the right thing? What am I doing? Is this the right time? But I felt like it was a subject that I'm very passionate about, speaking about the caregiver crisis. I wanted to share what we're doing with the Rage Fund with more people. I knew that the convention that asked me to speak was full of people that would be enthusiastic about the subject, but they may not already be super aware or informed about it. So if I wasn't there, I knew this topic likely was not going to be brought up by anyone else you know like there just isn't a lot of representation of people with disabilities at various venues and organizations and settings so I felt like for those reasons I really thought it was worth all of the planning that needed to go into it and I really believe like anything is possible with the right amount of planning in advance and making sure to 
map out what needs to happen, what are the potential contingencies, what are our plans for that, and then you're not as surprised when you get to the actual day of what you're planning for if something goes wrong. I did share with you that I did everything I thought I needed to do to prepare, <laughs> and yet there were still surprises. Always. But I think the upside of that is what I also mentioned, which was I had the right people with me, and they made this difficult experience and the disappointment of having to get off the plane much easier because they were so positive and just felt like, okay, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to just not go? Like, do you want to go? We can go tomorrow. We're up for that too. Like, whatever you want to do. So I think always choosing the right people is essential and making sure you are doing something because it's true to the core of who you are. And I feel very strongly about that in this particular instance. I'm, I'm giggling a little bit because you're essentially teaching a, teaching my life cycle of collaboration class right now. <laughs> As you were elaborating on that question, I heard also a trust in self, like just know and a trust in your personal mission. And then in, well, in grad school, I had a professor that would always say, trust that the right people are going to show up. And that's a huge thing in your story. And I know you just mentioned a little bit more of choosing the right people. But do you have anything to say about trusting that the people you need will show up? That's super interesting because that's a scenario I face all the time, just recruiting for the caregivers in my own personal life, the people that help me get up and out of bed and dress and help me with all the basic activities of daily living and help me do all the things that I need to do throughout the day. I have someone with me all the time and I'm constantly recruiting, interviewing, and training people and managing the schedule for the team of people that help me live my life. And sometimes gaps appear in the schedule and or I know like later this summer I have one of my core team members moving and I had plenty of notice that this would be happening and I've been preparing for it for a couple of months and recruiting trying to fill the shifts that she's been working but it can be very daunting when time is passing, nothing's happening, I'm posting flyers, I'm recruiting, I'm searching, I'm asking people I know if they know anybody, and I know from my own experience living that and also knowing other disabled people who are searching for caregivers, it can be a real strain and stress to have that looming over one's head and yeah I'm just a real believer that you do everything that you 
can do so that you have the peace of mind and can end the day and go to bed with a sense of peace that all is going to be okay because I'm showing up like for my own personal situation I'm showing up every day doing the tasks that I need to do I'm, I've revised my flyer I'm posting it in various Facebook groups I'm connecting with the right people I've hired a support broker to help do recruiting as well I'm communicating with the support broker to help make sure that she's on top of applicants and doing phone screens for anyone who sends a resume. So I'm doing everything that I can do to address this situation that's looming closer, closer to the deadline. And I can tell myself, like, it's going to be fine. And I also know that what am I, 37 or something? <laughs> I'm 37. So I feel like I've faced a lot of situations in my life so far. And I can also rest easy with that knowledge as well and know that worse comes to worse, if I don't fill the slot right away, I've encountered that before as well. And I got through it. And then typically, when I've been in that situation, I happen to get a resume from someone who's twice as amazing as I ever imagined. For instance, Liz. When I met Liz, she reached out to us, I think it was through Craigslist. I don't remember. I think it was Craigslist. Because it was a while ago. And it was back when Craigslist was a thing. And uh, we had had a moment of great need to fill a lot of hours. And it came up very abruptly. And it was due to kind of a negative situation. The person that previously filled the role left on bad terms and we were in a bad spot and we needed to fill this whole slate of shifts and days of the week. A lot of hours in the schedule. And Liz kind of came out of nowhere and it was like she was the most amazing person beyond anything I could have hoped for or imagined. And it was like she was the polar opposite, personality-wise, of the person who had vacated the role before her. And it was like, God just knew. That's what <laughs> we needed in that time. So I try to remind myself of situations like that that have come up along the way throughout my life. And knowing that it seems like I might be in a terrible situation or things just aren't working out, or they're not coming together, and I'm on a specific timeline, and then all of a sudden, things just fall into place, and sometimes better than I ever could have imagined. 
I love that addition because also because I love Liz so much. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing all that. 20 minute collaborations go by very fast as we're talking. Uh, listeners, I want you to think as you were listening to Anna speak, I really want you to think about all the lessons of transformational leadership that were coming out in what she was talking about, but we're running out of time. So I do have to ask my last question. And that is what's lingering from our conversation, Anna? I think mainly just my excitement and enthusiasm that you have listeners who are learning, growing, and trying to better themselves. I think that's so great. And what a better topic and things you want to learn about than collaborating with other people. I think that our society is becoming unfortunately, a little bit isolated and alone. People are not connecting as much as they should. So you are the perfect antidote for what people need right now. And I'm so excited about that. Thank you. Oh, I wasn't expecting warm fuzzies <laughs> at the end of this. <laughs> well, listeners, every everything from Anna will be in the show notes how to get her book, how to stuff on the Rage Fund. Uh, I believe you're still doing your podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, so all that will be in the notes of the show. Anna, thank you so much for taking some time today and hanging out with me. And I have a feeling I'm going to try and get you back so we can dive into this transformational leadership conversation that was also lingering underneath what you were sharing. (laughs) Sounds good. Oh my gosh. Thank you and have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you. I really wish that I would have done my due diligence and set up a second interview right away with Anna because I really, I'm dying to get more into the leadership conversation of our conversation. But she has so much knowledge to share and through her story it offered a brilliant example of bringing together a team and as her and i talked trust when is the last time that you had to bring on a team and what went on in your process of doing that anna sets up her life in a way that she knows that the team is at arm's length most times. And so when she was going to Philadelphia, it was rather easy to find a team. It's a great, great picture of why it is so important to do the work, create the space, build the trust, because we never know what's going to come around the corner. There's so much more about this conversation that really I hope that you're able to sit with and maybe journal with especially with the trust stuff. I know we talk about trust all the time, but how really important is it to you even though we talk about it? I trust that you are doing everything that you can possibly do right now. If you haven't heard me say it on this podcast before, we're all just bozos on a bus. Thank you, Natasha Leone, for giving that to me. Until next time, I'll chat with you on the next 20-minute collaborations. You've been listening to 20-Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. 
If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey-gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.